TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to a place of wellness and healing for both your body and mind. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, whole food life that totally rocks. You're listening to Shiny Healthy You, the straight-talking natural health show for busy women, with your host and naturopath, Jules Galloway. Today's guest is on a mission to take you from mediocrity to exceptional living. He is a speaker, a blogger, a coach, and a podcaster, and I'm pretty sure he wears a few other hats too. He's all about educating and empowering others to make their own call on what's healthy for them as an individual, rather than just going with the status quo, or even worse, with what the media says is good. You may know him from podcasts like 100 Not Out and Inside the Champion's Mind, or you may have seen him speak at wellness events all over the world. He's a bit of a legend, and you know what's really awesome? He lives just up the road from me. Woohoo! Hello, neighbour. Please welcome to the show the very awesome Marcus Pierce. Woo! Ah, oh, Jules Galloway. Thanks for the beautiful intro. And uh, yes, it's so good to be neighbours with you. It's so good to live up here and be neighbours with incredible people. But you, my dear Jules Galloway, are at the top of the list. It's been uh, remarkable to meet you in person and to have you on the Wellness Couch. And now to be part of your podcast is uh, it's an honor. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for having me on, don't you mean? It's exciting time. Seriously awesome. And yeah, we are surrounded by amazing people here, aren't we? Yeah, no. Well, we were lucky enough to um, meet each other through the beautiful Sam Gowing. And um, as I say, it's been so cool from a social and business perspective to uh, to live up here. I mean, you and I are both from uh, down south and to come out of Victoria and to come up here and to, again, just uh, walk past incredible people on the street every day and, and become friends with those people like yourself is, um, yeah, didn't happen so easily back in Victoria. I know that much. No, no. And you never know who you're going to bump into. Like I met Sam, bumping. I literally bumped into her walking into the surf. We had a surfboard under each arm. Crazy, crazy. Did you bump surfboards? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, sorry, my surfboard just bumped into your surfboard. What's your name? <laughs> now, Marcus, you know. Yes. Marcus jokes. hat on. Yes. I believe you used to work in journalism. Now, how did you end up here in the health world? Uh, well, when you said I'm sure he wears a few hats, I don't know what to tell people anymore. When I came back from Europe the other day and they go, like, what's your occupation? I just don't know what to write anymore. So, <laughs> um, some days it's journalist, other days it's speaker. Um, but sorry, was the question? what was the question? <laughs> I think the answer was multi-passionate entrepreneur. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah, uh, how did you end up here? How did you – You're oh, so you're in Melbourne. You're working on oh, sports gosh, journalism. How long does this podcast go for? Oh, oh, I can't know. About 40 minutes? Yeah, okay. Well, I okay. Have other so I love football. <laughs> I loved football growing up and thought I'd be the next Eddie Maguire or, you know, that type, Bruce McAvaney, just football commentator. Um, went to journalism school at RMIT, did that um, – Worked in breakfast radio, doing uh, producing uh, with a great, great man called Kevin Bartlett. Loved every minute of oh radio. Oh my god, I remember him from yeah. My yeah. my brother was a Richmond fan. 
Aha, uh-huh, yes. Well, they're, they're creating a bronze statue for KB out the front of the MCG. He's that much of a legend. Um, and then, uh, and then, and then, to cut a long story short, got headhunted to go to make that transition to TV, which I was quite happy to make because I wanted it on the CV before I travelled overseas, and I thought I'd go over by myself. But then I fell in love just as I started um, working at uh, Channel Nine, and I fell in love with a chiropractor, and um, who is now my beautiful wife Sarah. Aww. And when I met Sarah, I was smoking. Three cigarettes a day. I loved a scotch and coke. I uh, loved uh, I loved a beer. I loved um, a chicken parma. I loved all kinds of things that we probably wouldn't consider all that healthy. And um, what I what I worked out pretty quickly was that coming home from the footy show at four o'clock on a Friday morning, smelling like beer and cigarettes, um, <laughs> was not a great way to continue this relationship I had with a health practitioner. And even though Sarah never gave me an ultimatum. It, no, she never gave me an ultimatum like quit or or continue this relationship. I knew pretty quickly that if I was going to spend the rest of my life with Sebe, I had to figure out a way to be healthier and being the sports mad stats man that I am, the only way I could really make three cigarettes a day feel like a lot was to multiply it by 365 days a year, which then made it over 1,000 a year, which then made it over 10,000 a decade. And that was the only way I ever really found a way to quit smoking because 10,000 cigarettes every 10 years uh, seemed like a lot. Three cigarettes a day seemed like the most, you know, um, unimportant habit that had no real consequence whatsoever. And then that kind of bit the bug for me. I kind of got on the health train. I loved Tony Robbins, still do, but my mum gave me Tony Robbins program for my 21st birthday. And I think I was 25 when I started going out with Sarah. And uh, I'd been badgered by the marketing company for so many years going, do you want to come see Tony Robbins? Do you want to come see Tony Robbins? And then I got one of those calls. And uh, I said to Sarah, they've got a two-for-one offer to go see Tony Robbins. Do you want to go see Tony Robbins? And we both <laughs> went and did that together. And, um, and then doing any... Any kind of personal growth is really awesome when you do it with your loved one, with your spouse, partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever it is. And um, and then so I kind of got bitten by the chiropractic bug with Sarah, the personal growth bug with Robbo, and just I've always been again a journalist by trade. I'm as curious as they come, so I always want to learn. And um, and then fast forward a few more years, we travelled overseas, went through Europe, lived in Ireland in a little thatched cottage up in the hills, managed a chiropractic centre together and when I came back, I knew I didn't want to do sports media anymore. I wanted to transition to health and wellness and personal growth media but I knew that would take a heck of a long time because I knew no one in health and wellness outside of Sarah and her friends um, but I really wanted to make that transition and so again, fast forward six or seven years, we ran a chiropractic centre together, had kids, um, Sarah studied with Damien Christoph, studied chiropractic with Damo and that's how Damo and I got to know each other. We hit it off and um, and then fast forward a few more years, Wellness Couch is thriving. I host a couple of podcasts and um, life's good. That's epic. That's really cool. You've been all over the place. I hope that, was, <laughs> hope that wasn't too frenetic for you but there's so many other bits and bobs but, you know, it just gets a little bit hard to tell a long story in a short form these days. Yeah. Hey, and we've got something in common because I quit smoking for my husband. And, and he didn't tell me to quit either. He just saw me light up and said, that doesn't suit you. That's How's all that going he for? said. Yeah. <laughs> all he said. And I just went, I really like this boy. Because this was 18 years ago. And I thought, I really wow. like this boy. And he's not When you were four years around. of age. Yeah, exactly. Four years of age, people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I just thought, if I want him, it's him or cigarettes. I could just tell. And I wanted him to yeah. respect me and I was like, bye-bye cigarettes because he was really cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to put it out there and go, it wasn't easy to quit. I don't know if you're going to say it was easy just no. to drop it and go. It wasn't easy. It was but, easy to uh, quit. It was hard to stay quit. 
It was easy to stop. Yeah, yeah. Stopping's easy. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Staying stopped is hard. Yeah. Even even just the other week, this is the first time I've ever revealed this, just the Mm. other week, literally – Two or maybe two or maybe only a week ago. Um, my last day in Greece, everyone else had gone. I was there by myself, and I was taken to uh, Panagetti local festival, and um, and I was like, oh, cigarette, be so nice. Yeah. <laughs> and and I was like, isn't it fascinating that the yep. that the thought, even though I know like every cell in my body is like, yeah, yeah, yep. you know. But all of the memories of smoking, like I'd smoke with my mum over a, over a, a coffee and a chocolate and we'd have great deep and meaningfuls or I'd catch up with friends and we'd talk the night away or the day away or whatever. Like I've got so many fond memories of smoking that I saw all these incredible people having such a fun time at this local festival going, oh, wouldn't it be great just to sit down and chew the fat with the locals and have a cigarette? And I was like, mm, no, nah, nah, don't, don't want to tell that story when I get home. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I decided not to. But, you know, but my, um, my father-in-law quit smoking in oh, I, long, long before I came along. He, I think he quit smoking in like the 80s or something. And even now he says, you know, there's always just that occasional moment where you go, oh, I'd really like one. You just see yeah. someone else enjoying it or, you, yeah. And yep. it just, it's like there's still a receptor in the brain that's just sitting there waiting for you. Yeah, absolutely. But there's a different shift though, isn't there? Because something says something else, which is clearly much stronger, that muscle gets much stronger. Is like, well, no, like, it's not my identity anymore. It's kind of like the, the old you, that tiny little minute, like you said, receptor going, pick me, pick me, pick yeah. me. You're like, Shut up, it's receptor. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is getting so nerdy, Jules. We've got to stop saying the word receptor. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, the Come on, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. All right, all right, all right. Tell me, tell me about the food because I know throughout that whole, you know, process of moving all over the world and being involved in the wellness industry, you tried out a few diets, didn't you? You tried on a few. Oh well, if things. you don't, if you don't leave Tony Robbins unleash the power within without declaring to be a vegan for the rest of your life, <laughs> then you just haven't been listening. <laughs> so. Don't get me wrong, like for anyone thinking I'm having – I love Robbo, like absolutely love him. And uh, Robbo even to this day will say like he's not about going vegan. He's just about cleaning up your diet. Um, he's more about just don't have KFC every day. Um, but yeah, well after after UPW, which is Tony Robbins' initial, you know, uh, it's the first event you'd go to so to speak, um, Sarah and I declared to go vegan for 10 days and we loved that. So then it was 30 days and then it became till whenever – and um and that went on for about seven years, but then I just didn't feel I did I was doing I was at a great event with John Demartini, uh, for those of you that know Demartini's work, and he kind of just drew on a piece of paper. He had east east on one side, west on the other, or he had um, carnivorous on one side and plant based on the other, and you know he was saying, well, you know, where on the scale are you? And and we were like extreme to one end. And if you know the Demartini philosophies, it's that extremes just aren't necessarily sustainable and they can create a fair degree of volatility. And the question was, do you really feel like that much better seven years down the track? And the, the brutal answer to us was no. There's always that shift when you change your diet, in my view anyway. For the first month, maybe six months, even a year, you might feel massively um, a massive improvement. But there is a plateau effect at some point. And I think we were probably on the other side of the plateau effect. We were like, you know what? It's actually starting to feel quite limiting. And this is just for us. So I'm not saying be vegan, be carnivore, be omni, be paleo, whatever. But for us, um, 
yeah, we did vegan for seven years. Didn't drink for five years as part of that. We bought a six pack of wine on our first uh, week in Ireland when we actually had got our rental, our little cottage, and I got a six pack of wine. And after a few nights, Sarah and I were just looking at each other, going, "This is a little bit boring, just you and I drinking wine together." And so then we just. It sounds silly, but then we just, just stopped drinking wine. That was kind of the approach we took at that point. We're like, well, we won't just do it some of the time. We'll just never do it again. <laughs> it just sounds stupid when you say it like that. But that stupidity continued on for about five years until um, my dad was proposing to his um, second wife in Bali. And I was like, you know what? I'm just, I just want a beer. I just, I'm not going to get drunk. I just want a beer. And then uh, so I, I broke the drought and had a corona. And that was a hell of a lot of fun. And then I suppose having just come back from Ikati, the island where people forget to die they love a drink but they frown on getting drunk they're all for getting tipsy uh, but again they're all for eating whilst you're drinking and all for putting water in your wine and even ice blocks if it's hot outside so i think you know now that 10 years have passed over this i suppose for me what feels like a big adventure that i've been on um i probably like to think i've come back more to captain common sense rather than extreme in in one end or another yeah, I like how you tried out all the extremes first, though, just to be sure. Oh yeah, I'll try anything. I don't, I don't. I'm not proud, if you know what I mean. I don't try and say one thing's right or wrong. The only way to find out is to really do it, isn't it? Absolutely. What other extremes have you tried out in your life? Oh gosh. Um, um, oh, so a vegan's one. No drinking, another. What else? Oh, look, I'd probably say I've I've had a go, but not for the same effect of you know, like not sleeping much, like getting up early, staying up late. Uh, trying to live someone else's values. Always be positive. That was a really good extreme. Um, <laughs> that's just toxic though for anyone out there that's trying to be a positive thinker 100% of the time. If you want to know the real truth and you listen to this, you can find this out easily enough. But Norman Vincent Peale who wrote The Power of Positive Thinking, his wife will even tell you that he was somewhat pessimistic in his thinking and he wrote The Power of Positive Thinking. Not that it's a bad book. It's a great book. But you can leave things like The Power of Positive Thinking or you can watch The Secret and think that you've got to be happy and, and attract abundance all the time and you know never cry, never feel a bad thought or whatever. But you know any of those those extremes. I used to look down on people that you know were, for want of a better term, pessimistic or realistic or um, you know not as excited um, about the day. And I was like, I wanted them to be like me because I'm a naturally kind of up and about kind of guy. But it doesn't mean I don't you know crack it at some point or uh, get frustrated. I've, as I say, if you want to press my buttons, just have a go at my work ethic. If you want to see me get upset, just genuinely tell me that you, I was lazy or did a bad job, and then I'll be like. Um, but I think it, that's probably one extreme which I think was a another good learning curve is um, not getting addicted to a certain way of being uh, because there's a lot of people out there that think that if you're in a bad mood then we've got to fix it you know we've got to take you out for a drink to get you out of your stupor or we've got to do something to yeah fix it but if any girls are listening or probably anyone boys or girls no one likes to be fixed if you're in a bad mood you don't want someone to come and try and put on Krusty the Clown happy face and <laughs> I mean <laughs> it might be okay every now and again but Sometimes you just got to be in it and then you just get out of it your own way. Yeah, I think as humans, when we try to be there for our friends or our family in their time of need, we always are just looking for ways to fix it rather than just being there for them. Stop crying, Jules. Stop crying. Stop yeah. crying. Okay. Come back to me when you're not crying so much. Or, yeah, or relax, relax, Jules. Just relax. Why are you Why are you stressing so much? God, you're a stress head. Like, <laughs> seriously, who, need, who needs that kind of – stuff no so yeah 
I don't know about you, but if someone's crying, Sarah's crying, a babe cried all out, just cry as much as you want. Come in here for a cuddle, cry it all out, get it all out, get it all yeah. out. You know, I don't, I don't, it sounds brutal. I don't give a shit if Sarah's crying, part of my French. But yeah. I don't, I want her to be happy, but I'm not going to try and fix it. Yeah. Have you but, seen that little you know. video? There's like a little animated video that was making its way around Facebook a while ago, and it was how to deal with a really sad person. And it involved this little stick figure coming over and helping the sad stick figure oh. by rolling them up in a little blanket or a doona and making like a little sad person sushi roll and then taking the sad person sushi roll all wrapped up in their little doona. And then like I think they plonked them on the couch or the bed and then just let them be sad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, there's many ways to skin a cat, isn't there? Yep, yep. There's many ways. You can wrap them up in a sad person sushi roll. I haven't tried that one. Yeah, give it a go. Report back. Sorry, Sarah. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I'll let you know how I go. (laughs) Now, a couple of minutes ago, you mentioned Greece. Tell me, tell me, tell me. I want to know all about this island where people... Okay, so a bit over three years ago, a bit over three years ago... um, a, a, a patient, chiropractic patient of Sarah's sent me a message going, turn on the TV. They knew I, they knew I loved longevity and living a great long life and all the rest of it. And um, I said, turn on the TV. Um, Liz Hayes is in, uh, is in uh, Ikaria on 60 Minutes. And so I flicked it on and uh, I'd, I'd learn about Ikaria. I knew about it. But when you see visuals and videos, it's beautiful for those things. And um, I saw this story on Ikaria and I messaged Damo going, mate, we have got to run a retreat over in Ikaria. That was a bit over three years ago. And um, fast forward that, we had 13 people just recently join us over on this island where people forget to die. 7,500 people on the island, one nursing home with 10 or 11 people on it, no crime, two police stations which are relatively inactive. They only have one person manning the two stations filling out paperwork. If you call the second station, it diverts to the first station. Um, (laughs) There is... Yeah, there's uh, been two murders in 25 years, and now, uh, from what I understand, now more manslaughter. Um, there is um, no multinational presence on the island. Every if you go into a local supermarket, they're actually selling all of their locals, you know, fruit and veg. It's like a farmers market is this local supermarket. Um, and they're just so happy. They live these very simplistic lives. They're so social. They'll. Um, they one family we went and visited lives ninety percent off the land. The only things they buy are coffee and flour, um, and oh, it's just a as I say. I mean, I'm I'm rambling because I'm still on a bit of a high from this trip, but it's just a remarkable, remarkable place. So Damo and I are going to make it annual now because my kids, my family didn't come this time because we had a baby just seventeen days before I left, and um, I just I want I want the kids to experience what this. Um, islands like because it's so different I kind of call it the Byron of Europe because it does seem so it's the kind of place where you can walk down the street say hello to a stranger and get into a chat with them which you can kind of do in Byron but you can't really do that so easily in the big cities Yeah, and it's so refreshing to have that experience not to mention you know ocean views and Mediterranean food and all of those things but it's not extreme as well they're not on a diet over there they're just eating real food yeah and they eat slowly don't they Oh, like hours, hours. I didn't finish my meal sometimes because I was just so into conversations. They'd come and collect the plates and be like, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Like, it's just food. Like, it wasn't like, you know, come on, eat your food. Like, it was just, it's just, it's a way to actually, food is a a vehicle to bring people together. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's what we observed was the biggest takeaway. People pay $7,000 to come on this retreat and their big takeaway was I just loved family-style dining and the conversations we all had around the table, you know, watching the sunset, the beautiful agency and and I'm like, oh my gosh, that like you think of what we spend our money on, that that is like the biggest the, the social side of it, and this is my big thing about just living a great life, is we've got to connect with people more. That's what I loved about this trip. It was such a great opportunity for people to connect. It's so simplistic. That's why I say it seems weird. People paid big money to come on this retreat, and the thing that they loved the most was connecting themselves, seeing how the locals connect with others. Now, we had some great times where we would connect with the locals. We had this 85-year-old couple who'd been married for over 60 years come and have dinner with us on the last night. On our final night there, they'd drink the wine with us. They'd bring their wine. Every every Icarian family grows their own wine or grows their own grapes, makes their own wine. You you do not have – it's almost like sacrilege to not grow your own grapes. So, And it's a real compliment if someone gives you their wine. So this 85-year-old couple comes and sits at our table has dinner with us. There's obviously a language barrier there, but you could feel the love from these guys. They were just such a beautiful couple. We'd been picking strawberries and lemons up on their farm earlier that day, and they came and brought us their wine. And it's such a, it's a, like, the, and then Thea, who was like our host over there, said that is a massive compliment. They, they clearly have warmed to you guys. They, they, the, you know, you're not just those tourists that are trying to find the secret to longevity because you can imagine this. You know, Icaria, which is a blue zone, so to speak. For those people that don't know what a blue zone is, read the book called The Blue Zones. It's essentially places where there's an exceptional uh, high number of people that live past the age of 90 and do it well. Um, but, you know, this couple came to have dinner with us and gave us their wine, and we all just felt so much love from them. And you can't get that on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. You just can't recreate it. And as I say, like, that's kind of why I want my family and other people to come with us on this. Um, adventure because you just can't recreate that so easily um, in the way we're living our lives, which is spending so much time on social media and in front of a TV. And I just realized I, I had like a little light bulb go off over my head while um, while you were talking then about the slow eating, not just the slow mm-hmm. cooking. Because, you know, here, here in Byron, we're pretty lucky. We've got some like amazing restaurants and places around who are very thoughtful in how they make their food. They use like – there's one place I was just – that popped into my head when you were talking that does like a beautiful Sunday roast. They use local chickens. Give them a plug. From, Give them a plug. Oh, it's called The Roadhouse. It's my favourite place. And they're, The Roadie. Yeah, the Roadie. They do Sunday chicken. They do Sunday sun, roast chalk. Sunday roast. Every Sunday they do this – They'll either have a roast lamb or a roast, you know, roast pork or roast chicken. And then I know the bloke who, you know, who raises the chickens and he's literally like 5Ks up the road. But, you know, the, the thing, that, that missing link, because we're all like, yeah, slow food, slow food's amazing. It's so much better for you. And, you, you know, I went down there with like three or four of my friends and we had this beautiful night. But they needed the table again at 8 p.m. You know, so we got there at six and then we, you know, we needed to vacate the table for the next round of diners at 8 p.m. So we had the oh. slow food, but you know yeah. what we didn't do? We didn't do the slow eating. We didn't yeah. do that sit and do everything, you know, at its own pace. Yeah. So, so we need to get takeaway to- next time and just sit out on a picnic blanket where we don't have to vacate. <laughs> well, this is, well, these, these festivals in, in a career, go for hours. Like one when the the one I went on the last day went from one p.m. in the afternoon, and and uh, Ilya, who was the husband of Thea, who was hosting us over there, he got home at four thirty in the morning, and. <laughs> 
that's that's not uncommon for these parties to go for 15 hours. You think of the band. You know, we're used to a band playing for an hour, an hour set here or there. The band, which is the same band, like a three-piece, four-piece band, playing nonstop, maybe a couple of breaks here or there, 15 hours. Um that's the thing that I think is missing. You're right. We have the, oh, sorry, you know, next booking's here now, so you need to, you know, ship up. What, what if we could sit with the strangers and get to know them and chat over a glass of wine and a meal um, and and not be have to be, I suppose, regimented by the clock? This this thing around time does blow my mind, though, Jules. We are very much addicted to, to time in our modern world. And and these people in Ikaria, like, do they go to work the next day or are they all farming or what do they do? They go. They go to work, but they don't. They do, everything blends. So like they'll go to work. Maybe let's say in the um, case of Ilya, who got home at four thirty in the morning, he might not go to work until twelve o'clock or maybe after lunch that day. But then it's not uncommon to come home at ten o'clock at night because they just do the work that they need to do. So they don't care about what time it is. They don't think about the clock. This is what I've what I've done since I've come home is I've taken the I've taken the time off my laptop. I'm considering taking the time off my phone because I know for my myself I go, oh, it's eight o'clock, it's too late to do work on whatever it was I was going to do because I don't want to ramp up. But if I'm not actually thinking about what time it is, if I just feel in my heart that I want to do it, I'm just really why don't I just do it? So a farmer doesn't go, oh, it's time to go because it's this time. They just do the work and go, I'll go home now. Do you know Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but you're a type A personality like me, I suspect, brother. So my question to you is would the work be ever done or would you just keep going all night? Because well, I know okay, I, have to have a knock, I have to have a bookend. I have to have a knockoff point because otherwise I will just keep working. But if you're working, if you're inspired when you're working, if you think of all the masters that have gone before us, okay, if they're if they're working, Michelangelo didn't finish the Sistine Chapel, you know, at eight o'clock at night, going, ah, oh, it's eight o'clock, I've got to go. And he didn't book like, in by master- going down and doing personal training at five p.m. like I do. <laughs> but some, but some, sometimes. So here's here's the thing though, like I, I'm sure you're the same. I when I'm with mentoring clients, I'll I'll say if you're if you're like burning the candle at both ends and you're spending too much time at work then you need to book in personal training or yoga or dinner with friends for five or six or seven o'clock because you don't have any accountability to stop working yeah but if you're a master at work doing masterful work then it doesn't matter what time it is you 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 would you would happily do your masterful work at any time yeah so it doesn't necessarily matter what digits are on the clock you just do it. This is this is my shift anyway. Is it? It doesn't matter if it's ten o'clock at night or six o'clock in the morning. If I've got that urge to do it, and I've got that propensity, and and I'm inspired to do it, who cares what time it is? Because and I'm I'm not saying this for me. I'm saying this in observing how, say, another generation. I'm going to call another generation because going to Korea feels like you are, you are living a hundred years ago. But also you're kind of going. Wouldn't it be great if we live like this? moving forward it's like going back it's like back to the future almost if you know what i mean um but i just feel that we're so regimented by time that we are we're we're shooting over ourselves i should finish work now because of the time but at the same time you're absolutely spot on jules if people are burning the candle and it's actually becoming unhealthy um then you've got to you've got to create an accountability but i reckon that's mostly so we don't get caught on email for an hour at the end of our day or we don't get caught on Snapchat or Facebook or something else. Um, 
at the end of our day. But if we're writing a book and we're just like in flow, then seriously, that's probably the most important thing anyone could be doing at that point if that's that's their life's work. Yeah. And uh, I have an accountability buddy. I have a couple of accountability buddies actually Um, and one of those buddies is a life coach so she doesn't let me get away with anything and the other one is my personal trainer and she doesn't let me miss a session without – some sort of deathbed excuse. So I think accountability buddies are important because you just need someone to tap you on the shoulder and go, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I know, I mean, anyone listening with kids will know their kids are generally great accountability. My kids will bang the door down when dinner's ready (laughs) and uh, there's no way I could go, sorry, guys, don't work. Have dinner without me tonight. Sorry, daddy's in flow right now. Yeah, 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 and and whatever they can to break that flow, but uh, I know the bang on the door is coming. So um, you know, but yeah, you're spot on. That that the type of whatever works, it, it it's required. I just think that some people go, uh, I shouldn't live the life that I was born to live because you know I'm I'm too old to do that or I don't have time to do that. I'm like, time, time, time. It's just a disease of the mind. It's nothing else. There's there's no time or you got no time or you got all the time depending on how you look at it. But um, I don't think we can continue to use time as some type of asset that we have or we don't have there's no such thing without getting all deep metaphysically lunar on everyone um (laughs) time's just a clock really yeah yeah and i think it comes down to whether what people's expectations of you are and whether you want to live a life according to those expectations or whether you want to live a life that you want to live oh bang here we go we're starting (laughs) to get very deep Well, I'm a, I'm a massive fan um, of a beautiful lady called Bronnie Ware who's done the top five regrets of the dying. Have you Don't read get that me book? started. She re- she I'm catching that? up with Bronnie for a smoothie yes. uh, this week. She's and, a um, beautiful, beautiful human. We love Bronnie. Um, and, yeah, one of those top five regrets was wishing that you lived a life that was true to yourself rather than what other people expected. Yeah. She's a uh, that is and, and that that message has has had such a profound impact on humanity. And if anyone's listening hasn't read it, please do yourself a favor. Yeah, read it. that book. It will touch your soul in the most beautiful way. And it's a book that I don't know about you, but you can just go back and read a chapter at any time. Yeah, it's a great book actually. This will sound weird, but it's a great book to have in your toilet. <laughs> You know those books where – because a lot of people have magazines in their toilets. Yeah. It's a great book to have just in the toilet to just flick to a chapter or a page and just have a mini epiphany. <laughs> I just think those people who've got those books and magazines in there might be a bit constipated and might need a naturopath because they're, they're in there too long. No, but see, sometimes it's great <laughs> to just get distracted like if you, if some people, I know, I know some people. I'm not going to name their names, who actually do their social media whilst they're sitting on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> it's their productivity hack. Damo, we're no not looking at you, mate. We're not looking they? at you, Damo. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why he sprung to mind. Sorry, mate. Oh, I don't Sorry, know Damo. why I did either. But there's other people that that read New Idea, and there's other people that read books. I have um. In my toilet, I have a great book called The Element by Sir Ken Robinson, and I have Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People because they're just they're great books you can just flick to and go, ah, oh, good point, good point, good point. <laughs> and it's not like a story where you have to start at the start and go through to the end. Yeah. So, well, you know, Bronnie's actually got another book that it's called Your Year for oh, Change, that is, and that's yes, it's that's all like 52 short toilet stories. Hey, that's your toilet story book. <laughs> 
We must tell Bronnie to listen to this. Sorry, Bronnie. Sorry. Bronnie, we've been promoting your book uh, in a rather unique way, saying that <laughs> for anyone that goes to the toilet and is prone to want to read something, don't use your phone unless you want to download the ebook. <laughs> For those of you playing along at home right now, I just want you to know that this is not how I thought this interview was going to go. <laughs> well, we've been telling jokes with each other before we came on air. It's only natural that we're going to be a little bit funny-duddy with each other. I know. I know. It's been a long day too. <laughs> now, Marcus, yes, I, think, Jules. I think we should talk about your courses and your workshops. Oh. Yeah, come on. Because I want to know, because I know you do these amazing, exceptional life blueprint gigs, and I want to know especially how you're going to pop what you learned in Greece into that. Well, okay. Let's let's run through the eight levels of living an exceptional life relatively quickly because I'm conscious of respecting people's times, and then I'll and then we'll integrate. Ikaria into that. So, uh, cut a long story short, my research has shown that nutrition, which I thought was the fountain of youth and the secret to living a great long life, is not the secret to living a great long life. The three integral uh, ingredients, if we call living an exceptional life, a recipe that has eight ingredients in it. Ingredient number one in order is living life on your terms, doing what you love, loving what you do. As Bronnie Ware would say, living life according to your expectations, not according to the expectations others have of you. So living an exceptional life begins with doing what you love, loving what you do. Most people are living a life where they're just doing what they think they have to do but not what they want to do. So they work because they have to, not because they want to, which means they're working a job rather than making a profit from their passion, so to speak. Um Ingredient number two is movement. You look all around the world, you look across cultures, any generation, you look at the healthiest ones, people that live the longest move the most and it doesn't have to be going to yoga or running marathons or Ironman triathlons or swimming the English Channel. It's regular movement. Regular movement is key. Ingredient number three is socializing, being with other people. We've not, we know if we look at the great Harvard study that was done on 8,000 Californians, you look at people that eat exceptionally and have poor social lives, they die sooner than the people that have great social lives and average diets. But the good thing is the people that live the longest are the people that have great social lives and great diets. So they're the three ingredients to a great quantity of life, but they don't necessarily guarantee quality of life. If you want to have quality at any point in your, in your life, and I think we all would say that quality is more important than quantity because I'd rather get hit by a bus tomorrow having a great quality of life than have the 10 or 15 years of morbidity that a lot of people have as they get older. Then nutrition comes into it. If you eat well at 20, you will have great energy, vitality, and vibrancy. If you eat well at 50, you'll have great energy, vitality, and vibrancy. And same if you're 80 or 90, 100. So the people that are eating well, they have the great uh, get up and go, great zest for life. They really have a good bounce about them. So nutrition is key to quality of life. That's ingredient number four. Then we move into love and relationships. If you have great relationships with your family, with your intimate partner, with your kids, if you have them, then you just have you don't have those awkward Christmas Day moments. You don't have awkward birthdays. You don't have awkward family functions. You've just got more quality. You look forward to those parts of your life. You look forward to coming home and spending couch time with your spouse, or you look forward to having dinner with your kids. Whatever it is, it's it's got quality about it. I can't stand awkward 
relationships. They, they do my head in. So I'm constantly working with people to help them create more ease in their relationships. Uh, ingredient number six is growth. If we're not growing, we're dying. If you look at the people who live the longest, the oldest human being ever to live, Jean Calmont, who was French. She smoked for 95 years. She ate a kilo of chocolate every week. She drank port wine every day. But she was riding a bicycle age 100. She was learning fencing. She was doing that when she was in her 80s. She recorded her first music album age 121. And she had a lifelong um, addiction to learning and growing. So growth is really important. The final ingredient on this triangle, this exceptional life blueprint, is wealth. Spending less than you earn. Spending less than you earn, people. Most people spend 114% of their income. That is not ideal. That is mediocre. When people do that, they certainly don't um, set themselves up to have a quality of life. People that are in nursing homes and and are at the worst ones are spending 85% of their pension on their nursing home accommodation and service. We've all got an opportunity to avoid that and I would say the way the healthcare system and our governments are going. We want to avoid that system like the plague. So spending less than you earn, no matter how much you earn, spending less than you earn, and then the next step from that would be to invest a difference. But if we just focus on spending less than we earn, then we can create an exceptional life. And then we put a big circle around all of that, and that's called spirit, soul, and faith. Because if we don't put our spirit, soul, and faith into everything I just said, it becomes completely intellectual, and we don't really feel it within our heart and soul. And that, Jules Galloway and listeners, is living the exceptional life blueprint. Woohoo! I love it, love it, love it, love it. Now, I just want you to know that all sounds amazing, but you had me at no more awkward Christmas days. <laughs> <laughs> Bring so that how on! Do we, how do we do no more awkward Christmas days? The way is to love people for who they are, not what they do. We're so addicted to judging people on their actions, and we've got an auntie that does this or a son that did that to me when I was this age, or my brother treated me this way, or my sister did this to me when I was this. And we've got so many stories around people in our families. Families are our great as teacher folks, you will have so much contrast in your family that if you let it do your head in, you will do your head in, but you don't have to let it do your head in. You might have a very loud mum like I do. You might have um, other people in your families that will just uh, be passive aggressive. You'll have others that give you silent treatment, others that resent you for things that you can't even understand why they resent you. You know what? People aren't going to change. People, If you consider how hard it is to change yourself, as Benjamin Franklin said, you will realize how hard it is to change other people. So don't expect other people to change. It ain't going to happen. When you love people for who they are and really don't give an SHIT about what they do, particularly about what they eat, don't care what other people eat. You will go crazy if you care about what other people eat. Just love them for who they are. The fact that your mum and dad gave you a life is enough to love them anyway. You don't have to worry about what they did to you and where, how they treated you and what they fed you and how they educated you and all that stuff. It's all just noise when we can love them for who they are, not what they do. Life becomes a little bit easy to live, Jules. <laughs> love it. I love how you said don't. You know, don't stress about what they're eating because it's as a naturopath. That's one of the things I see all the time. Is as soon as someone gets a bit of a breakthrough with their own eating, whether they've gone gluten-free or whether they've cut out dairy or whatever it was for them, and they've started to see an improvement in their health, they're immediately turning their attention to, oh, my God, my mum, my sister, my husband, and I'm like, ah, 
let's get you healthy yeah. first and then yeah. maybe they'll and then come just and knock lead on your door. by example just, yeah. that's it just yeah. lead by example just continue to eat that way and be be strong about it so this all comes down to communication doesn't it if someone says marcus why are you vegan well don't get all defensive and go well it's because of the earth and the earth's layer and what we're doing to the cows and the chickens and all the rest of it as soon as you become emotional then that gets really hard for people to deal with. And so if you go, you know what, I just like it. You know, it sits well with me. I enjoy the food. I, I don't care if you eat steak. That's fine. I'm not going to grill you for it. I'm not going to tell you, do you know that you just killed a cow or when was the last time you saw a human, you know, drinking from a cow's teat or whatever. Like <laughs> if you want to go down that path, you're just going to get people annoyed. They're definitely not going to shift their behavior. So my view is, and I say this, I'm not from, I'm not sitting on a high horse here because I was vegan for seven years and was championing it quite a bit in my time so i'm saying this is a learnt lesson a very well learnt lesson that um it doesn't make any difference just do what you do and lead by example and do it quietly and um let the world see what you're doing but don't tell them don't put on instagram that you should have this green smoothie too just go i'm enjoying having a green smoothie today what are you having for breakfast and if they say cocoa pops don't go well that's just toxic and chemically ridden for you just go okay cool enjoy because otherwise it's just Ah, it's so unfun. Well, all it causes is more stress. And, Absolutely. And I know because I keep doing it too. I have a family member who just eats all the wrong things but then comes to me to ask for help with some of her health problems yep. and I'm like, just don't <laughs> eat X, Y, and Z because I'm absolutely sure they're causing your all your problems. And yep. she's, you know, oh, no, but is there a tablet I can take? And I'm like, ah. Yeah. Oh, family, family's always the, you know, family's oh, yeah. the one. And, and even oh, yeah. I know with Sarah's, you know, with Sarah's um, extended family, it's actually better for them to see a different chiropractor because yeah, it's yeah. just, you know, like, you know, I'm just, I'm a brother and a son, you know. Sarah's a, a daughter and a sister and a cousin or a niece or a nephew, or not a nephew, she's definitely not a nephew, uh, or a niece. Um and that's it's tricky to to for people to take that hat off of you. So, like you say, I mean, it's a tricky game. It's yep. a really tricky game. Yep. Go and get strangers to heal you, people. Strangers. Yeah. <laughs> You'll listen to them more than you will family members. <laughs> strangers, it sounds. Now, tell me, some what are some of the transformations that you see when you run these programs? Like, you must get oh, well, you massive know what? turnarounds. It's so bizarre because, again, I'm a journo by trade. People go, well, what qualifications do you have to talk to people about such deep and meaningful topics? I'm like, look, we're on the same level. We're all living a human life. I'm not telling you that I'm Mahatma Gandhi or Tony Robbins. No. I'm just sharing with you information as a journalist what I what I learn and then I share that. I think it's just in the way that I like to talk and communicate that people resonate with my message because I'm, I'm not – I don't come up with stuff. I, I, yes, I created the exceptional life blueprint, but it's not rocket science, if you know what I mean. It's I didn't just reveal the secret to the world. Um, it's just in the way that I communicate it. So I don't see myself as like a. I'm not a life coach, if you know what I mean. I'm not. A, I haven't done a certified course or whatever. I've done leadership academy with Robbo and other things. But my thing is that people will send me. I got a Facebook message a week or two back from a client that said before I did the exceptional life blueprint, I uh, was too scared to drive a car. 
and I've got children and I've never driven a car and you can imagine what kind of impact that has on the family. She started, she went to driving lessons and went and got her license and now drives her kids around. Oh, and my I'm God. Like, that's huge. On the exceptional life blueprint, you're now driving a car. Now, again, I don't see myself. I'm not some NLP master practitioner, all the rest. I'm just sharing I'm sharing the importance of living your exceptional life, not a mediocre life. Just saying what everyone else is saying. We've only got one shot at this. Why be mediocre when we can be exceptional? Here's a few ways to go about it. Um, I think the social side of things is a big thing for people, connecting, reconnecting in relationships for some reason, not for some reason, maybe because it is the most important part of living a great life is people do resonate a lot with what I have to say about life purpose. You know, the work that I do within the the e-course or the online program or the membership program, whatever you call it these days, that, that module does seem to resonate a lot with people on, okay, how do I really clarify my dreams and my goals and my ideas? How do I clarify that into how do I live this life that I want to live? Um, I seem to have a knack for helping people take the overwhelm out of their life. People go, I've got, I can see the Everest, Marcus, but, you know, all of the steps, it's so overwhelming. I don't know how to take step one, step two, and, and a lot of the time it's because they're focused on step 500 rather than actually getting to that point of clarity and yes it's so much easier to help other people with their life than your own we would all agree that it's easier to help someone else (laughs) than is yourself because we're not emotionally attached to their life you know i can i can be on a coaching call with someone whose life is just in you know it's there's so much going on and so much easier to deal with than anything going on in the pierce family so um i think that that always helps but yeah life purpose um, relationships. I mean, I love talking about health, but again, I'm not a health practitioner. But I love talking about, you know, it's impo- more important for you, more important for your health to have a great social life than to eat 100% paleo or to be 100% raw or vegan or whatever. Um, that seems to resonate a lot with people. And then, um, and I'm all about for the mums out there or the parents who are with kids a lot is just to, you know, fill your cup up however it needs to be filled. Whether you need to meditate, get a massage, catch up with friends, sit and read a book for an hour every night, make sure you fill your cup up because giving giving from an empty cup that that's where resentment um and then eventual disease comes in um to our life so i'm all about being very selfish in the most beautiful empowering way so that um we can you know give our give of ourselves to others oh that's just awesome and there's so many people out there listening that i know are mums and so that's just perfect thank you (laughs) oh my pleasure please mums have a bath have a lavender bath do whatever you need Yes. Do whatever you need. Tell your husband or your partner or whoever it is that if they want the best version of you, that you need to give yourself the best version of you. Yeah. Yeah. And don't feel guilty while you're doing it. No way. No way. No way. No. It's, Marcus. it's novel the first time, but then get used to it. <laughs> um, I'm going to pop some links in the show notes. Uh, but can you please tell our beautiful listeners – where they can find you and also about your event coming up in Byron that is going to be awesome. Oh, Jules. Oh, I'd love to have you along, Jules. I'd oh, love to have you. I might make a bit of a you know appearance. Oh, absolutely. Are you okay if I point you out and people start hovering <laughs> over for your autograph and stuff <laughs> things? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest with us today. <laughs> Sitting in here in the Byron Theatre is one of the world's greatest naturopaths. <laughs> incredible podcaster ah. beautiful soul herself she's so shiny look how shiny she is <laughs> she's so healthy <laughs> i'll be hiding under a chair everybody jules galloway uh, but yes for the urgency addicts out there that um are listening to this and uh either live in byron or would love to get a last minute trip uh tiger jet star yeah, do the road over trip, up here 
or yep. the road trip. Yes, a few people did this on road trip last year. Yeah. I couldn't believe it because I'd only done that to relocate from Victoria to <laughs> Byron. But they're like, yeah, just do you know, a road tripping up to Byron live. I was like, oh my gosh, you're crazy. But yeah, they did it. Um, July 30 and 31 at the Byron Theatre, two days to create your exceptional life blueprint. Um, it is obviously on bias, but it's my favorite uh, two day event that I do. We do a couple of two days events, or a few actually, now that I think of it, um, throughout the year with the Wellness Couch and the rest but i love this because it is all about creating your exceptional life not just in one area of life because i can't stand niching as much as this might sound a bit controversial i don't want to do a health course or a wealth course or a something or other because i want you to integrate i don't want you to be perfect at your health and suck at your relationships or hate your job it's a massive that's just a massive takeaway from life so this event is all about creating uh, an exceptional life in all areas we go through each area of life in detail we go out for dinner on the Saturday night. We might even walk up to the lighthouse on Sunday morning, weather permitting. We actually do whatever we can to live this exceptional life blueprint whilst we're together. But most importantly, it's so hard to get two days to yourself these days. Like we're talking no distractions for the two days. So you can be completely selfish and not worry what everyone else thinks of you. You can actually do what you want for your life um, in the two days in Byron. So that's it. Yeah, you'll put the links in the notes. That's byron.marcuspierce.com.au for anyone that has a good memory. Um, and then for others that are interested in more the e-course side of things, just if they sign up to the tribe, go to marcuspierce.com.au, sign up to the tribe there. You'll see just enter your name and email address um, and uh, you can find out more there. And then um, I'm just Marcus D. Pierce on all the social medias. So that's Marcus D. P-E-A-R-C-E, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, but as you know, Jules, I much prefer real-life engagement than social media, so don't expect me to be hounding you with social media posts all day, <laughs> every day. Absolutely. Because I suck at it. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't suck at real life, and that is the good thing. Yeah. I've just realized that Facebook Live is so much more me than like finding a picture of some random inspiring quote because yes. I just go, no, I need to talk to people. This is so yes. silent posting pictures i need to talk let's do a facebook live when this podcast goes to air yep let's go let's for a it. smoothie yes let's do it because healthy food I've, with other people is going to make you more healthy i've learned that today yep yeah absolutely <laughs> green smoothies with friends Woo. or chocolate now come on chocolate smoothies you've got, to, you've got to put a chocolate in there yeah bring it on bring it on okay marcus yep. pierce Thank you so very much for being on Shiny Healthy You. It's really been awesome and I would love to have you again soon on the show. I'm feeling way more shiny, way more healthy and a far better version of me having uh, spent such good quality time with you and uh, thanks for sharing me with your listeners and um, can't wait to spend more time with you in our neighborhood, Julesy, and I can't wait to have you at the Wellness Summit. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. That's going to be cool. That's going to be very exciting. Yes. We'll talk about that again soon. I'll pop a link to that in the show notes too. But, yeah, we're going to Melbourne. Woo. Yeah. Going to be fun. (laughs) Going to be fun. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Marcus. Thanks, Jules. (laughs) What a fun interview that was with Marcus Pierce. I hope you're feeling all energized and inspired after that one. If you liked the cut of his jib, we would love to see you in Byron Bay for Exceptional Life Blueprint. It's coming up really soon. So for more information or to purchase tickets, just head to the show notes and you'll find a link there. You'll also find a link in the show notes to the Wellness Summit that we mentioned in Melbourne, along with a discount code that gets you $100 off your ticket. So if you're a Melbourne person, make sure you check out that one. 
Now, if you're enjoying Shiny Healthy You, don't forget to hit subscribe so that new episodes are delivered straight to your podcast feed. Too easy, right? Oh, and if you would like a free whole food recipe ebook with yummy gluten, dairy, and cane sugar free dishes, head to julesgalloway.com. You'll see the free ebook offer there just on the right hand side. Until next week, stay shiny and bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.